Okay, today we have the lovely Assetti, which means... A blessed place. Blessed place. Now, she has travelled many places in Africa for many, many years. So, tell us about yourself, Assetti, where you're born, where you come from, and how you ended up travelling in Africa and living in Africa. I was born in Jamaica. I came here when I was 10 to England when I was 10 years old. Another experience, I was um, growing up in this country. I have travelled, well, I first went to Africa in the late 80s, actually. I went to Zimbabwe because I had a friend who had moved there from Jamaica when Bob Marley went out there. Freedom of Independence celebration of Zimbabwe. So I went there first because I knew someone there. That's why I went to Zimbabwe, first of all. I took my daughters, both of them, to Zimbabwe with me and put them in school there. It was a oh. very interesting experience, actually. Yeah, what was that like? Because that in the was, 80s? That was in the late 80s, like 1988 okay. to 1990, we came back. And we only came back because of some situation. But anyway, Zimbabwe, even though they were independent, it was very difficult living there. And they had men immigration that were these Ian Smith ex-guys, you know, white guys will tell you that we don't want you people here. We don't want no Nigerians or Jamaicans here. We want our people here because we, we raise our people here and we, we want them to, you know, we don't want you here because you've got, they say we've got big hair, you've got a lot of hair and we cause trouble. Because in Zimbabwe during that, at that time, black women weren't allowed to have long hair, black women. Really? No, they would shave them. And if girls went to school with, with their hair growing, the white women would shave them and they'd go with a handkerchief on their head. And I remember I was on the bus one day and this girl said to me, oh, I'm Rasta. I said, really? And she pulled out one long lock that she had wrapped around her head and patted in her shortcut hair. I thought that was defiance, you know, that was really, that was yeah. a real statement so, for me. So wait a minute, when did Zimbabwe get independent? I think it was 1980. So it is not long but after. I went there 88. So it was, you know, even those eight years, it's still not a chart. It's still, nothing much changed. Ah. Apartheid was still intact. Yeah, they still... Because they would take their helpers to the vet, not to the doctors when they're ill. To the vet. Humans. Yeah. So, you know? uh, was the vet black? Was it a black person or a white person? I don't know. I just know they, said they, they were being educated not to people to the vet. I mean, it was, so it was that, crazy. That kind of makes sense why... Mugabe was wanted him to leave. Mugabe was a right man. He was right. He was right. He was doing the right thing. But the West propaganda, because he was taking the land back from them, because what they used to do at night, they'd go to the fertile area. People live on their, on these lands for centuries. They'd go there at night and pack them in trucks and move them to these high density areas. And these areas, which black people live in, like Mufakosi and those places, you can't watch television, listen to a radio and cook at the same time. You can only do one thing at a time. You can either cook your food on two, the two plate burners or listen to your radio. And the way they set up this system is that these burners and these things that you needed to cook with or use at home come from Botswana, you wow. see. And then in South Africa, they'd only employ Zimbabweans. So there's a conflict always between people. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Because imagine, in South Africa, they'd employ Zimbabweans, right? They didn't, or they, they did? They did. But they wouldn't employ South Africans. No. That's why the xenophobic thing kicks in. So then the, the conflict happens, you see. Ah, oh, that makes sense. And no. then they, all the things that you need for your house would come from Botswana, you know. And so they, they had these little systems that set up in, in the south that was really quite to cause undermining. conflict, divide yes. and conquer. Yes. Okay. Yes, so that was really difficult. And then when you go into shops, all the shops had armed guards in them, like regular grocery stores had armed guards in them. Were, were they white guards? Yeah, mainly white. And then you have a little shopping bag and then they put a, pit, a clothes peg with a number on it and they follow you around and like you're going to steal something. And It was really intimidating. And then if you're in line and you're black, a white person could come in front of you do you know what I mean? And yeah. then you can't say anything, but I always said something. And what did they say? They'll tell me that, tell me that I must, I'm not from there and I must stop getting involved in people's business. And I said, no. <laughs> and they call, they call black people boy and girl. Yeah. Bro, I said, the, man, the man's got a family. You can't call him a boy. He's yeah. not a boy, he's a man. Yeah. For me, it was very emotional. I felt like I'd drop in the ocean, like I could drop in the ocean. I couldn't really change anything there. Because it was, it was everywhere, you know what I mean? It was everywhere. Yeah. White folks were still armed at the time as well. They were still armed. Uh-huh. You know, they uh-huh. would carry guns and stuff like that. Okay. And they didn't pay, they didn't, they didn't buy their houses, nor pay light bills, white folks. Yeah. They would live free. Because Ian would just give them, you know, house and land and everything. So. Uh-huh. It was really hard, but... So, okay, was there a rebellion? Was no, there... not when I was there. Not when I was there, but, you know, McGovern was doing the right thing by taking the land back, and of course the white folks didn't like it. Some of them left and came here, and, you know, and they were complaining about him, but it's, it's the media, the media's wicked, you know? The media's a wicked thing, you know? So it just turns people's minds the way they want to condition your mind, really. Mm. Yeah, so I left there because I was involved with someone. I was in a relationship with someone and he was a bit, you know, he got a bit kind of... He was telling him that, no, I'm not going to do no immigration thing because I'm back to Africa now, this is where we belong. And then they, they, they put him in jail. So then my file gets pulled up because I, I brought him over. Is he, oh, he's a Jamaican as well? Well, yeah, Jamaican parentage, but he's born here. Yeah. And so they deported him, and I went in to sort documents out, and they were like, no, you've got to go. And I thought, well, I go and come back. So I left, and then this immigration officer wrote me a letter saying to me, I must not come back to Zimbabwe for no reason whatsoever. But the thing is, you know, in Zimbabwe, I did a lot of voluntary work of my own, not with any organization. Okay. I shipped in my dyes, my inks, my paints, my fabrics, and I taught people to do tie-dye and different artwork. What, what is tie-dye? Tie-dye and fabric. Oh, dye and fabric. Yeah, so and you're... I call it tube. call it tube in Senegal, but it's like tie-dye, screen print, batik. Did exhibitions there with them as well. Uh-huh after the work was done and then I, you know, right. left. But it was, a, they're very, they're very, very kind people. Mm-hmm. They took care of me and my daughters and we were there very well, you know. Yeah, and how did your daughters find it? They loved it. They didn't want to come back here. Mm. 
When they came back here, it was really heartbreaking because for three weeks they wouldn't leave the flat. They wouldn't go anywhere outside. How old were they? They were eight and ten. Okay. Yeah. So that was Zimbabwe. That's Zimbabwe now. I think I started to go to, to Gambia. Mm -hmm. I started traveling from when I was 19, actually. I, hitchhiked. I, I, I mean, I traveled a lot. I've been to like 18 countries so far, you know. How many? 18. 18? Oh, that's good. I travel quite a lot. I like traveling. But you, those 18 countries, you've actually spent real time in there, haven't I've you? I've spent time in them. Some of them I've traveled through them for a period of time. Because in Africa, Apart from Zimbabwe, two mm. years in Zimbabwe, I spent seven years in Atlanta, Chicago. But I really love Senegal because, I don't know, it's just like the culture there, the people, you know. I hear they're honest. They are, they are. They're, they're so humble. hospitable. Yeah, yeah. They're so hospitable. And I've been going there for the longest while and um, I've developed really good relationships with people there that I've known for a long time. But I've been trying to set my business there for such a long time and it hasn't happened. Why is that? Well, because, you know, the thing is, I did a detour and I thought, well, let me go into teaching, raise some more money, save some money, and then be able to do what I plan to do. Well, it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened, you see. So I shipped my machinery and things over from America to Zimbabwe. My screens, my everything, all my work stuff's over there right now, cutting tables of work. In Zimbabwe or Senegal? Sorry, in Senegal. Okay. Excuse me. And I haven't really used it because I was going to. I was there for three months, started working, and then America called me for an interview. Out of the blue, for citizenship, so I had to go back to America. I got that, realized you know I wanted to get some money, so I came back here, started teaching. But it just has not been consistent. So you've got an American and a British passport? I've got three passports, American, British and Jamaican. Can you have three passports? I, well, I, I, it's mine. I, I think I deserve it. Okay. I mean, I don't know what the government say about it, but... No, so I thought you could only have two, but no, maybe it depends no, no, on the country. I, well, you know what? I'll tell you something. Did there, a white girl came. I mean, she's from America, right? From New York. She's got an American and an Irish passport. And she wasn't even born here. And her parents weren't even born here either. They were born in America. So Yeah, people... she got grandfather rights. Yeah, but... So I've applied for a Jamaican passport, even though I was born here, through my parents. Oh, you can? Yeah, because they came over the other day, about three, four weeks ago, and they were issuing out passports for anybody who was Jamaican descendants. Really? Yeah, it's on my vlog. I'll show you later on. Okay. But yeah, it's Fantastic. on there. And for people like yourself who are born there, haven't got the may not have the passport. You. Some of them give up their passport. They're afraid to have British. Some people are just afraid. They're just afraid of everything. You know. Um. What, what's the worst thing they can do? Take it back from you. The you only thing I mean? would be in this day and age, especially with this government, if you had a dual citizenship like Jamaica and England, oh. they would take away your English citizenship and tell you where well, you're Jamaican, so go live there. Do you see what I mean? If you've yeah, done something well, wrong. Try it. Yeah, well, yeah, they, with Windrush is a prime example. Yeah. But before Senegal, you went into Gambia. Yes. Tell us about Gambia and why you went there. I went to Gambia because I think at the time I was, I wanted to do, I was doing my business as well. So I wanted to go to Gambia and explore the textile field in Gambia. And I met a textile woman there, her name is Musukeva Drame, she's died now. 
but she traced her ancestry back to Egypt. And she was a textile artist, and she had a big compound in Depakunda in, 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 uh, mm -hmm. in Gambia. And I used to go there and watch her do her batik and her tie-dye and so on and so forth. And I would exchange my screen printing ideas with her, which she totally understood it. She didn't, didn't get the screen printing thing. But I used, to, I used to actually buy from her. So I used to trade in like beads, incense, fabric, and sandals. So you're really conscious. I'm looking at your appearance and everything about you. You're really conscious about who you are, where you're coming from, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I've always been a bit different. Well, it's not different. It's well, not, good. It's not good. different. I've always been someone that people kind of like want to know. Wait, 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 where you been? <laughs> what mm. you up to? You know? Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. So I'm conscious of myself, and I. Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite happy with my life. I've done quite a lot of my life, and I look forward to this time now because I'm leaving teaching in December. I've decided. Okay. The school thinks they're going to keep me, but I, I, no, I'm a free person, so... So, you were sorry, I interrupted you. You went back to Gambia, you are doing this tie-dye. Yeah, and then I heard about, then I met this Bifal. So one day I was going out, I was going out on the road, and these guys in patchwork, dreadlocks, were chanting. And this woman said, my friend said to me, don't talk to them, because they eat me. I'm like, yeah, okay. Because they what? Because they eat me, because she knows I didn't, that time I was strictly vegan. So I was intrigued by them. So I went out again another day and I met this, I met this by far, this elder. They said that he was a crazy guy, right? But I started talking to him, he started telling him about this mystic man in Senegal called Serin Touba, who's passed away now, but he left a legacy because the French, the colonialists took him in, you know, kind of stopped him from people going to see him. He was a spiritual mystic man mm -hmm. and he couldn't stop them. So what the French did was they put him in Gabon in an infested jungle for him to die. He was there for like seven years and more than seven years. But while he was there, he wrote 30 metric tons of poetry praising the creator, right? So when he came back to Senegal, he still had a big following in Senegal. So they said, well, it's going to Mauritania now. So it's a house rest in Mauritania. But what he did that is significant was that he made the people put a small amount of money together and they bought a city in Senegal called Touba, which is owned Tuba. by the people, not by the government. It's, it's like the Murids, you know. Mm. And the Murids, um, I'm a Murid as well. The Murids are, you know, like we're very interesting people because Murids, they're everywhere. I met one just like on the airport just now, but it's definitely, and he's wearing his Touba clothes. Is he, is he Rasta? Some of them, they're, they're not Rastas, they have locks, some of them. Are they the blue people? They what? Are they known as the blue people? No, they're Tuaregs are the blue people. Okay. They are, they wear patchwork clothing mainly, bifars, but the Murids, bifars and Murids are the same thing, but the bifars wear the dreadlocks and the patchwork. They're another element of Muridism. They are, they're, they're Sufis, they're all Sufis. But the Baifal is a bit different mm. because they are more radical. How do you spell this Baifal? B-A-Y-E-F-A-L-L. Which means father fall. Okay. You know, where the woman is called Yai Fal. It's mama, you call your mother Yai. Yeah. You know? So this guy was telling me about this saying Tuba and I was just like, wow, I want to go to Tuba. So it's funny enough, I came up from Gambia, 
American lady in London who was depressed. A sister, right? I said to her, you just go get away, just go somewhere, go anywhere. She goes, well, where do I go? I said, go to Gambia. I've got a friend who can stay with in Gambia. So she went in Gambia, she came back, and she won two tickets to the Gambia, again. So she gave me one to come with her. I thought, okay, fine. So I went again with her in a hotel. And so that time I was really strictly vegan, right? So I was in the hotel and then we were going out the gate and these two boys were begging some money. And one was to the other boy, so he said, don't beg her any money because she's one of us, which is me he was talking, right? So he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to... How did he know you're one of us? I don't know, he just said it. Okay. So I said to him, he said, what do you want? So I said, I want to go to Tuba. He said, okay, I asked my grandmother, he said, how's your food? I said to him, well, I don't eat here, so I have to go to the market. He said, we'll bring you food. Every day, his, mother, his grandmother cooked nyambe nyebe, which is cassava and black-eyed peas with palm oil uh -huh. and lots of onion and peppers and stuff, and bring it to me every day. And then he said they got permission from the government to take me to Tuba. So they took me to Tuba. They, they, these two little boys were 14 years old, took me across Senegal. They got permission from the government? <laughs> Pardon? From the government? From Gambia. Oh, okay, from Gambia. Took me to Tuba in Senegal. And you just but, went on your own with them? Yeah. So you weren't fearful So I left the girl behind, she said. But no, fearful of what? I'm They're just my saying. people. Okay. They're my people. I'm not, I'm not afraid of my people. I don't care. I talk to anybody. Okay. If, yeah. if, you know. So anyway, we went to the house of Musen Gom. Musen Gom. He's a bifal and he's a singer, famous, he died now, he's a famous person in Senegal. And I have his music and it was really weird, we're in his house. And that was an interesting encounter, actually, with Musa Ngom. And then, next day I got up, I stepped in the house, next day, I said, where's the boys? I said, the boys have gone. I said, they've left me. He said, yeah, they've gone back to, to Gambia. I said, but I've got a fish in my journey. He said, he said, don't worry, somebody will take you to Tuba. So this other bifal took me to Tuba. Who that by far at the time just started growing his locks. But I tell you what really interesting happened once. About 15 years later, I was in St. Louis in Senegal and there was an entourage. I went, went from Dakar to Tuba to St. Louis. A big entourage and I was part of it. So went to St. Louis. I was walking through the streets at night. I heard a drum playing. But the drum like it was in my stomach, you know, so mm. I was trying to find where the drum was coming from. So I found this, this area, these women, this yaifa was on the mic chanting. And then this man called my name. And I knew him, he was a friend of my first husband. So he called my name, I said, hey Isa, how are you doing? And we were talking. And then this man whispered in my ear, my full name. I said, who are you? He said, 15 years ago. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That to me twice, two different places in Senegal as well. He said, he talked about the food I cooked the night when I was there, because I was strictly vegan, so I was like cooking my own food wherever I went, mm. you know. And yeah, that was interesting. That was 15 years later. Mm -hmm. um, and then that happened to me when, and I, then I moved, when I moved to Atlanta, I went to see a Marcia Griffiths and Bob Andy show, and I came out of the car park late at night. It was dark and someone called one of my names. And I was like, did you hear that? It was one of my brothers. And he's like, no. And they called my name a second time, my next name. And I was like, did you hear someone call me? He said, no. And then this, this guy called my full name. I was like, no, I'm not moving. Someone called my name. I'm stopping in the car park. It was dark. 
and one of the boys who took me to Tuba was actually in Atlanta married. Can you believe that? Like okay. many years later, with a child as well. I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. Oh. That's happened to me in my life, you know, and I just think that there's so much synchronicity that happens, you know. Uh, you lived a very interesting life. Yeah, yeah, it's some, some very, very interesting things happened to me in my life. Really, really so you ended up staying in Senegal, is that correct? Yeah, so I'm going to go, so what I'm going to do now, my path now, what I'm looking at doing, is going to Senegal and I'm going to be there for like now for five months minimum. And the task is to produce a, a new range of items, clothing, mm -hmm. and other items as well. And I'm going to market, mainly in the Caribbean. I'm going to try and get back into the shows, I do like Jazz Festival in New Orleans, I used to do that festival. I used to do the Black Film Festival in, in LA. The what festival? Black Film Festival mm -hmm. in LA. I used to do the BAM Festival in New York, the Black House Festival in Chicago. And I've just left all those behind. I've just been teaching. I need to, my own expression, you know? Mm -hmm. I need my own expression because teaching is not teaching mm -hmm. in this country. They're holding centers. The children in this country don't belong to the parents anymore. They belong to the government. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The children are being conditioned to be consumers. Mm -hmm. Brainless consumers. They shouldn't even think. Just go and buy stuff. You know? Mm -hmm. That's what's happening right now. And so you find that, you know, in most schools are like holding centers. Take the kids, they give them, they're all stated. They've all got statements on them. You know, they've got ADHD. SHC, blah, blah, blah. You know, they all mm -hmm. got statements. Most of the kids, 90% of the kids in schools have got statements. You know, Brazil. Mm. Oh, I think they can vote for the Brazilian oh. leader here. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of Brazilians here. Okay. Going back to what you're going to do in Senegal, we do need to stay in touch. Because yeah. I would happily do another interview with you yeah, and promote yeah, yeah. your business. What you're doing? I think it's going to be interesting the, because yeah. I didn't you know I was. I went to Jamaica. In, I was in Jamaica in June and July this year. I went there and I just chilled out for a month, and it was really good. It was good because of you know family I haven't seen for many years, and mm. and also my health. I regained my health because I you know I had COVID. Then I had an inflamed heart, and I was in hospital. Mm -hmm. And they were all talking about doing that operation on my heart. I was mm. like, oh my God, that's really frightening. Well, I went to Jamaica and came back. They were like, we're not doing anything to you anymore. You're good. Mm. So that's that was weird, you know? Not, it's not weird. And I'll tell you why. I used to have migraines. I used to get moments where I'd throw up and get diarrhea at the same time. Mm. Loads of health issues. And I went and traveled Africa and the Middle East that Indian Ocean area. I lived on the ship for five years and I was living in Africa for five wow. years. So I was away for 10 years. That's amazing. And I was constantly in the sun. I was eating more natural food than anything, whether it's meat or whatever. I, I'm not a person who worries about being a vegan, so I love meat and stuff. That's right. But my body regenerated itself. It was like reset itself. In a itself. month though, that was like, for me, that was like mystical because I mean... No, but it's the food you're consuming here is detriment to your health and it's I true. personally believe that and there's lots of things I couldn't eat when I left and when I since I've come back and been reset health wise 
and sun. I believe the sun is a big the player sun. because it's that vitamin D Definitely. which we need as, as black people, especially the darker black people. Definitely. So, you know, it helps you in a great way. I couldn't, I climbed, set, my walking and so on was much slower after Covid mm -hmm. because I, as you gave my energy back. When I came from Jamaica, I was walking, I was like, wait a minute, what's up? I was walking really fast, you know, like normal, my normal walking pace. Mm -hmm. So in Jamaica, I didn't really do a lot. And you I live mean, in the hills as well, innit? Blue Mountains. I, was, I went in the mountains. In this country, I'm a recluse. I know it sounds weird. When I get home, I'm home, I'm in. I go to school, I teach, I come home, I, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Right? I got if I have to go out. I don't know why I'm like that in this country. But when I'm in Africa and Jamaica, those baby with the sun shines, <laughs> nobody can listen every day I'm out. That's my routine. I get up and I get ready and I go out. And I go to the markets. Mm -hmm. I go and I'm doing something, you know, I'm busy. Mm -hmm. In Jamaica, it was family and it was interesting. Jamaica was interesting because it was my. So the Prime Minister of Jamaica is my cousin's son, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not really, I knew when he, was, when he was a young boy. Anyway, it was his birthday party, so they invited me to the birthday party, so I went, you know. There's a whole other thing happened there, you know, because like I met family that I didn't know were family, and mm. he had trips organized for us to go where we want to go together. So a lot of healing things. I went mm. to Salt River and all that kind of, you know, mm. blah, blah. So that was good. My food was really good. I ate nice food. Every day I had breadfruit and aki and. Mm. Kalaloo and all that stuff, fresh, you know? Yeah, so my health is back to normal again now. Out of all the countries you've lived in, mm -hmm. Africa-wise, mm -hmm. what do you prefer and why? Senegal. Because of the hospitality, the food is pretty good too. They eat very healthy there. Mm -hmm. And they're very particular about food. Mm. And they make lots of natural juices oh. from so, plants, you know. And, so it's and heaven fruits. for you then. Pardon? It's heaven for you then. Yeah, it's, it's nice. So, nice. what have you been back to Zim since? Uh, no, you... no, I haven't actually. I would love to. A couple of my friends from Zimbabwe, they're here, but they're returning home because, you know, a very close friend of mine from Zimbabwe, who I met when I was there, who was very good for me and my children. He's not well at the moment uh -huh. after COVID. Okay. You know, so he'd be the contact that I know I could contact when I go out there. Uh -huh. His name is Tim Copetti, very conscious brother, a rasta brother, nice family. Okay. Yeah, Zimbabwe was a lovely place. I really liked it, you know, but you see how the white folks set up for themselves, even traveling like. On the trains, the trains were nice. The trains were like stainless steel basins and all that stuff, you know, like really nice leather beds and things. Mm -hmm. So me and my girls would travel by nights from Bolaweo to Harare a lot of the times, because we had two places. We had a farm that was given to us to stay at by a family. Mm -hmm. And we stayed at the hospital in Harare and a house as well in Harare that was Mm. We didn't pay any. We didn't pay any rent in Zimbabwe at all. Mm -hmm. Me and my girls. There was a place that was that was for us, you know. It was very well looked after. Then. Oh yeah, people were very nice there. What would be your advice to anybody who's thinking of going back to Africa to live? Go, just do it. Don't be afraid. You know, I used to travel with hardly any money. Now I used to just go with my fare only, and leave the rest up to the creator. I used to just get out. I cannot stay in England for a whole year without leaving here. I cannot. 
but you're a true believer though. That advice there is great, but it's good for true believers. But for people who don't believe, I would... But people like to, you know, people plan and they double plan and they replan and they plan and they plan. They don't know anything. Just, they get stuck in the mud, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You've got to just get out, you mm -hmm. know. Get out. Take a tent with you or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If push comes shove, I mean, there's not... There's some things environmentally that you have to be aware of. Like, my girls and I were in um, Zimbabwe, went to cross over the border into another country. Next one Zimbabwe, which one was in? We went, was in, uh... anyway, it's where the, the waterfall is, which is called Musio Tunya. Not, they call it Victoria yeah, Falls, but the real name is Musio Tunya, which is the smoke that thunders, mm -hmm. yeah? And that waterfall from a mile away, you can feel it in your stomach, you know, you can feel it in your belly. Mm -hmm. So we went there, we were camping out on the border and, and I said to my girls, look, I'm going to cook some food and just go and play around. It was an open like, forest, but it was open. So just go play around a little bit and come back. Mm -hmm. They had crossed the border, my mm -hmm. daughters, without me knowing until the next day when I was taking them across there. They, they were like, these are girls? These are my girls. I goes, they were here yesterday. I said, really? So they got into, I think it was Zambia. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we were going to go for a swim in the river above the waterfalls. And I thought to myself, this water is very still. Let me just wait a little bit and watch it. And then this little boy came by. I said, I said can we swim in this water? He's like, no. Do you know what I mean? It's like some things we've got to be aware of. Like even the sea in Africa. It's a different kind of sea, you know. I went to the sea in Senegal recently. I was in the sea. But then I didn't realise that the water went out. Yeah, it dragged you out. The water went out, like it was getting lower and lower and lower yeah, and lower. Yeah. And I was out there, and I was going out in the water further. And are then you, are you a guy, strong swimmer? I can swim, all right. And this man said to me, come in. I was like, no, I'm all right. He's like, you need to come in. I'm going to come and get you. Don't come in now. It's like, so I was like, really? When I look, I thought, let me see what he's looking at. I was like, my gosh. The water had gone out so far, but he knew it was going to come back. Yeah, well that's, that's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, Do you know what I mean? Gravity pulled. But it's unusual though. No, it's the every country. No, but not that much, not like that. Yeah, that was... but you may not notice as much depending on the terrain of the country. Because I used to be in the military and one of my jobs in the Marines was uh, I was a coxswain driving speedboats to get people from A to B across the water very quickly. And yeah, the world is spinning and it's covered in water. But on this, the east and west flank of the world, it's a deeper bulge than the other side, than the top and bottom. So okay. as it spins, what happens, the gravity pulls the water in and pulls the water out. And that's every six hours the tide goes in and tide goes out. Now, wow. depending on the terrain of the land that you're adjacent to, like when I'm in the Indian Ocean, that tide in Kenya goes out a kilometre. But on Brighton Beach, it might go out 100, 200 metres. Do you see what I mean? Wow. It's yeah. crazy though, because I know that the moon also regulates the water on the planet. You yeah. know, when the moon is full, we find the rivers are higher, the seas are higher and so on. Mm -hmm. When I was in that time, when I saw that, when I looked and I saw how far the water gone out and how far I'd gone out, because mm -hmm. I was in the water enjoying it so much, I was going out with it without even realising. Yeah, so there's some elements we have to keep in mind. And, you know, 
speak to local people. What I don't like though is us and them mentality that's always going to Africa with. I've got friends kind of feeling, oh, we've got to stick together, you know, we've got to Listen. Yeah, but the people feel safety in numbers. Yeah, but not me. Do you know I know, I mean? and also there's, there is a different culture. There's many different cultures in Africa and many different, and they're very tribalistic in certain countries more than others. But so how can you get to, to understand that if you, if don't, you don't communicate mix. with people? No, and I understand and I agree. Senegal has many. Senegal has the Sarahule, they have the Fulani, they have the Serer, they have the Wolof, they have the, those men, they call them the black Jews. They're big in America, they do business. They, they don't do a small business, no. those guys. They call them the black Jews, but they make money, big time. They have those, and they have, what else they have there? They have other people that come up. They have about eight or nine different ethnic groups in Senegal, mm -hmm. right? Now, some of them take the mickey out of each other, but it's not a, a detrimental thing, it's not that serious. Just, so they're not lobbing off each other. No, no, it's just like, you know. Ken Kenya's different to that. You see, they're not like, they were like, oh, mean? my grandfather didn't give you, you know, you want your rice and blah, blah, blah. They make little jokes, but it's not really anything serious. And everyone gets on with everybody, but, some people, some tribes like the Fulanis, they don't like speak French. They don't like speaking Wolof even. They want to speak Fulani. They rather speak French than speak Wolof. In fact, mm -hmm. the Fulani people. Okay. You know, in their house they speak their language. Outside their house they speak Wolof and French. People need to be a little bit more open. Be completely. I haven't read any book about Africa. I didn't read any book about where to go, what to do, what to say, what to what. I, I never do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I go in and I sit down and I'm cool. I just talk to people, mm -hmm. you know. If they come your way, talk to them and you just feel the vibe out, you know. But it's what you have inside of you that really comes out mm -hmm. in most cases. Do the next left here. Please. Yeah, okay. You know. It's been an interesting interview. Okay. It's been very great. I really appreciate You're hearing welcome. your story about Africa. If people want to get in touch with you or find you on social media, is there any place that they can not find yet, you? Not yet, not yet. I mean, need... I'm on Instagram, but you know, most of my social media things right now has been about family. And I need to get my work out there. I've, I've done a lot of things in my life. People ask me, why are you so quiet? And I don't know what it is about me, why I'm like that. Why I'm just like, I do a lot. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot in my life mm -hmm. on all different levels, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm always, I'm, you know, very quiet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Straight down to the end. Oh, straight down. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, when you do, we'll definitely keep in touch. And when you do, We'll yeah, I'm about to set up my social media we're, we're, page we're, we're, though. I'm about to do that now because I, I need you. to. You know, I need to. That's the way that's the way the world right now, isn't it really? Mm -hmm. Social media. Yeah, yeah. And my work. So I've brought back from Atlanta a lot of photographs that I left over there and some other things. I'm putting things together. Okay. I'm putting things together now. For, did you meet Bob Marley by the way? Yes I did. Okay. I knew him personally. You weren't one I of his singers. I knew all his kids. I knew. No, everyone thinks I'm Judy. No, I'm not. Because yeah, I used to go to school with the kids who his one of those three backup singers was their mum. Rita. For, you know, you had the three. That's Judy. One of them, yeah, and she used to live in this. They used to live in this area, kind of thing. Not far. Yeah, it must be Judy. Yeah. I used to work for the Ethiopian Archbishop Abuna Isaac. He was. I remember Defra when he came to Jamaica. But he got consecrated, he was Abuna Yusak, turn right. 
Okay. And he used to live in Rita's. Rita gave him a, a house in her compound in Kingston. So he lived there. So I used to always go to the Rita's house. Oh, yeah, I used to go to um, Rita's house to see the Archbishop. So I used to know her kids and her auntie. And mm -hmm. She knows me very well, Rita. Okay. She's in Ghana, I think. Okay. Yeah, she's in Ghana now. Well, thanks a lot for that. I wish you well. Thank you, thank you. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.